Welcome to Howden's new podcast, Fortune Favours the Brave. We all take risks in our everyday life and business is no different. In this podcast, we're speaking to the experts about a topical challenge or issue and what business leaders can do to overcome it. Hi everyone, and welcome to Fortune Favours the Brave podcast. My name is Hazel Craig. I'm a senior data analytics and wellbeing consultant at Howden. And I'm joined today by Dr. Robin Clark, medical director at Bupa. Today will be the first episode of a two-part series where we will be exploring men's health in the workplace, why it is a cause for concern, as well as the implications around the man-up mentality. But before we dive in, Robin, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners today and talk a little bit about what you do at Bupa? Yeah, great, thank you. I'm uh, Dr. Robin Clark. I'm Medical Director for Bupa Global and UK Insurance. So I get involved in a huge number of things right across the business, everything from new propositions, clinical quality and governance, right through to anything involving sort of claims and payments and uh, difficult repatriations, for example. So I get involved in, in, in a huge number of things. Sounds like a big role you have there. So thank you very much for joining us today and taking the time to join us today. Now, for those who have listened to this podcast before, you would know that we like to start this podcast by asking our guests to tell us about a risk that they've taken in their life. And this can be a big life event, like starting a new job or something as small as snoozing your alarm clock for that extra five minutes of sleep in the morning. So Robin, the big question, can you tell me about a risk that you've taken in your life and whether or not it paid off? Yeah, it's it's, um, an interesting one. So I think the risk that comes to mind is before I joined Bupa, I was working as a doctor in the NHS. I was predominantly working clinically and very much sort of in the comfort zone of clinical medicine. And I say that because in the NHS, there's a very sort of structured career pathway. So everyone largely knows what they're doing at, at any point of their career. And then fairly suddenly, I moved into the corporate world. And that's that's somewhat less well understood by clinicians. So I did find that not all my colleagues thought that was necessarily a good idea. So I think that's probably the, the risk I'm referring to there. However, it, yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. Bupa are a, are a great company to work for. They're doing some absolutely brilliant things in terms of innovations and, and partnerships. And it's been excellent to be part of that and, and shape what's what's going on in healthcare. Fantastic. I think there's definitely something to be said about the fear of the unknown, but also with great risk comes great reward, they say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just want to say we're thankful you took the risk and you're actually here today to be able to join us for this podcast. So, yeah, let's let's kind of jump in. So, Robin, as you would be aware, the topic of men's health has been and is widely discussed in the research. It's widely discussed in the media with large campaigns like Men's Health Week, Movember, which is happening at the moment, looking to promote the kind of importance around men's health as well as doing a really good job to kind of raise awareness around men's health. I guess my first question would be, why is men's health such a big concern, both for employers, but also employees? Yeah, and I I think I'll start answering that by sort of zooming out and just, I think, discussing healthcare a bit more broadly. So what we know is that historically in healthcare, we've had a sort of a one size fits all approach to, to delivering healthcare. And that is increasingly outdated. What we know is that that's an inefficient way of delivering healthcare because treating everyone the same doesn't maximize the benefit for everybody. That, that's really the, the problem with it. Yeah. So you get far better health outcomes when you treat people as individuals. And that includes treating people of different genders 
differently because they have different and specific needs. Mm -hmm. So that, that's really where the, where the benefit comes from, from, from that approach. And we, we know that biological sex is one of the strongest predictors of, of health and life expectancy. So there's, there's some, you know, quite significant and, and perhaps scary stats uh, around that. So if we talk about men and uh, people assigned male at birth, I think for the, for the benefit of this podcast, I'll just refer to people as men just for sort of simplicity. Sure. But it, I'll just d dive into a few of these stats just to, to set the scene a little bit. So what we know is that on average, men die five years earlier than women. One in five men will die before the age of 65. So just those, those two stats alone, I mean, that is a, a significant impact there, both from a societal, a personal and, and an economic perspective, just on the death rates. From a physical health perspective, 75% of premature deaths from coronary heart disease occur in males. So again, the vast majority of those. Men have a 37% higher risk of dying from cancer, just generally. And diabetes, this is a, this is a big one for me. So middle-aged men are twice as likely to, to, to develop diabetes and twice as likely to be undiagnosed. And diabetes is one of those illnesses that's uh, you know, increasingly prevalent across the world. Mm. And it's one of those diseases that affects pretty much every part of your body. So you've got a, a group of people, you know, middle-aged men, twice as likely to get it, but twice as likely to not know they've got it. So, you know, they haven't even got the opportunity to do something about it and, and to reduce their risks. So I think those stats really hit home why men's health is such a big issue and why, why we need to focus on it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you use the word scary there. And I think that is, that's so true. It's quite hard hitting to hear those stats said out loud but side by side like that as well I mean the stats they really do kind of speak for themselves in terms of highlighting the concerns around men's health so I suppose my immediate follow-up question to that would be what do you think some of the consequences might be if these risks aren't addressed in the workplace and we don't start looking at this in the workplace yeah absolutely so I think you can see that there's highly likely to be impact on absenteeism and I think uh, an, an impact in terms of what role the employer plays. There's an interesting kind of conundrum to the figures here. So we've just said that men are at higher risk of physical and, and mental health problems. Yeah. But actually, when you look at the figures, men have consistently lower rates of sickness absence compared to women. Mm. So it's something in the range of 1.8% of, of working hours lost for men versus 2.6% for women. So women have you know, about 50% more lost working hours compared to men. So that doesn't really seem to make sense on the face of it. Those numbers don't really reflect men's higher risk of certain diseases. And I think, you know, if you think about it, actually the, the drivers behind those numbers are the fact that men typically engage less with their health than women, and they're le less likely to seek support, so less likely to seek prevention or, or intervention for their health. So I think going back to the point, what does that mean for employers? Yeah. I think you've got this this problem about ab absenteeism. Yeah. Yes, th there is some issue there, or people leaving work entirely, but also presenteeism. So people turning up at work when they shouldn't be there. And I think that's, that's certainly something that is uh, sort of pre prevalent in men. So just looping back, yes, I think employers do have some responsibility there to to support men in the workplace. And you know, from the numbers, it, it makes business sense to to do that and, and address it face on. 
Yeah, and it's so true, isn't it? Like even when I think about my experience with my father or my partner, trying to get them to take a day off when they're sick or trying to get them to visit a doctor if they're feeling unwell is literally near impossible at times. You know, they'd sort of rather suffer through it almost than dare go and visit that doctor or dare have that day off work. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder what your thoughts are on this. You know, do you think that those notions that we hear things like, you know, you'll be right, mate, or the classic, you know, man up or have that stiff stiff upper lip. Do you think that those notions are contributing to men not taking that time off or not seeking medical support when they should be? Yeah, absolutely. So those those stereotypes of, of masculinity, they're very much still present and they can definitely get in the way. So I think, you know, we need to try and kick out the, those ideas that masculinity means, you know, being healthy and strong. I, I think, yeah. you know, those ideas are actually wrong. They're a distraction. And I think also, you know, the idea that talking about your feelings or your physical shortcomings is is a personal weakness. Well, we know that that is, is uh, nonsense, really. So, yeah, these stereotypes do get in the way. But sadly, it's a bias that's been perpetuated for generations. It's going to take a long time to to sort of overcome that. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about how these biases have existed for generations, because if I think about that, what I imagine that means is that they're going to be fairly ingrained or fairly embedded in terms of our thinking. So what do you think could be done to try and address that? There's a real need to challenge and change the attitude around masculinity. So, you know, we really do need to, to challenge that that concept and especially that of, of toxic masculinity, which is sort of the, the worst form of it. So as we've said, you know, many men are sort of conditioned to, to perpetuate uh, th- those beliefs around masculinity, you know, to always be stoic and self-reliant and, and not to ask for help. So, yeah, the, the more that we talk about these things and encourage an environment where people can be themselves, in effect, without needing to live up to these stereotypes, I, I think the, the, the better we can start breaking down those, those walls and those barriers. I think for men, just going back to, I think, the, the point about their health as well, there's a, a, something around their access to, to primary care as well. So there's a link between those men that abide by that, uh, that notion of traditional masculinity they are less likely to seek medical advice. They're less likely to therefore get their diagnosis and therefore mm-hmm. less likely to, to get treatment for a, for a whole range of health conditions. So I think there's some things around that that we need to do in terms of making it easy for them to access care. Mm-hmm. Again, it's about breaking down those barriers. So whether that be having services that are more readily available to them in terms of the time that they're open, how they how they book the system or the, the cost of the system if they have to pay for it. And I think there's also some perception that, that some services are perhaps more aimed at women. So for example, pharmacy type services, whereas actually there's, there's a whole raft of services there that are very suitable for, for men. So I think it, it's things like this that we need to ensure there's sort of a, a broad understanding of and some of these type of services can also be potentially brought into the workplace, you know, outreach yeah. type services. So, uh, yeah, definitely accessibility is is on the agenda there for me. I think that's great advice in terms of being able to start to tackle some of those cultural issues around masculinity. And I think you're so right when you talk about the fact we need to change the attitudes towards it to then enable that kind of increased access to healthcare and people feeling comfortable and like they can access healthcare. 
Uh, are there any other practical tips that you give to employees, colleagues, or even friends or family so that they can help themselves and kind of help each other to reduce the general risk around, around men's health? Yeah, I think better mental health education has to be pretty high on, on that list of things. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So sort of education and intervention for the individual. So people understanding, you know, what's sort of normal for them and for people around them so they can start identifying when, when things are going wrong or things are going off the rails, but also sort of skilling them up, giving them the, the tools to be able to manage that themselves when possible. And when they can't manage it themselves, to give them the understanding of what the, the route is to get the interventional or the treatment that they need. I think in a sort of a workplace setting as well, there's a role there for things like manager training, for managers to recognise what emotional stress their workers mm. uh, might be put under or, or what the stresses are of the of particular job and how that affects mental health. And some of that might be something as simple as giving them training and communication skills, just be asked, ask those prompts of, you know, actually, how are you doing? Are you all right? How are you feeling at the moment? Yeah. I think also there's a, there's a further point around the workplace more generally and reducing the stigma of, of mental health in the workplace. And some of that probably comes down to training for everyone in the workplace about things like uh, mental health and mental health literacy. So I, I think there's a, a variety of things that we can do there. I think there's something also around companies invest, investing in those healthcare benefits that, that create wins for both, both people, both for the business and for the employees. Um, so companies making healthcare services and interventions more accessible from the workplace, as we've kind of touched on. We, we know that, you know, employees with better health outcomes are going to perform better. They're less likely to take time off work, et cetera. So, you know, there's a neat win-win there. And uh, my, my last stat of the day for you. So, I love statistics, so let's hear it. <laughs> I, I came well armed today with stats. So in, in 2015, there was a study looking at what the cost of depression was in the United States. And so it was estimated that it was $210 billion. So that was a 153% increase since 2000. So enormous numbers and getting bigger. Um, but actually, when you drill down into it, half of that economic impact was due to workplace absenteeism and presenteeism. So people people either not being at work or coming to work when they shouldn't be. So you know, I think that that neatly sums up both the, the size of the issue, but also perhaps some of the ways that we can start to tackle it. Absolutely. I think that sums it up incredibly well in fact in terms of the size of the issue and I think you know that's that's great advice that you've given to employers and employees in terms of steps that they can start taking to to address these issues but before we close out just one one last question from me um, and it is if there was one thing you would like our listeners to take away today from our conversation what would that be? Ooh, I, I'm going to increase it to two things, two takeaways, yes, if, if that's okay. Yes, we've got more, more than enough time. <laughs> so this year's Men's Health Week theme was, was time for your MOT. So that was around emphasising to sort of take a note of, of your physical and, and your mental state and also to take action on those. So we know that quite a lot of people delayed things or pushed their health problems to the side during the pandemic. So I think... You know, Men's Health Week was, was really a call to, to do something about it. Now is the time. So, so sort of take charge of your health. And, and I do really echo that. So I would encourage all men well, and, and women, in fact, to at least at some point go and have a health MOT and to get anything checked out that isn't quite right. So I think that's, that's got to be message number one. And then 
Message number two, I don't know whether you've seen them, but it um, seems to be quite prevalent in train stations, the posters that say, it's it's okay to not be okay. And, and I really like that. That really resonates with me. And I think it probably resonates with, with a lot of other people as well. I, I, I like the notion of that message. So it's, I think, that prompt to actually talk about how you're genuinely feeling and to you know, be brave and just open up a little bit. But I think the follow-up to that is, you do need to do something and take an action, no matter how small, to actually make that first step towards getting better. And I think, you know, as this conversation has demonstrated, kind of creating the right culture and the opportunity for men to come forward and discuss their health is, is definitely a big part of that. I really love that second one. It's okay to not be okay. And I think it really does resonate with a lot of people. It, it kind of gives you that message that you're not alone. You might be feeling a certain way, but the likelihood of somebody right next to you feeling the same is so high and it just brings, brings people together. So thank you very much, Robin. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I hope that those of you that have listened in have found it informative. And please join us for the next episode in the series where we'll be diving into this topic further by looking at how we continue to address men's health in the workplace. If you do have any questions or you'd like to learn more about what has been covered, we would love to hear from you. So please feel free to contact us through the Howden website or through our LinkedIn page. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fortune Favours the Brave from Howden. To hear more episodes and subscribe to our channel, search Fortune Favours the Brave on your favourite podcast app.